Hey, there's Dr. There Bill. There he is. Hey. So we got Tim, we got Dr. Bill, we got Mr. Paul Spataro. Um, is, I guess Scott's not going to make it? Uh, I was talking to Scott before. He, <sighs> he was extremely questionable. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> Can you hear me now? No. What? Huh? Did you heard me say that? What? Did you hear I... me say, can you hear me now? I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? No. But... <laughs> Back to the bin. Welcome to Back to the Bins slash Third Degree Burn. This is our crossover score. Uh, what, what other adjectives can we give this episode? <laughs> Sorry. That is so I'm pathetic. Fine. I'm good. I'm okay. That is sad and pathetic. It is the death a, of Dr. Bill. The two true freaks team up. So. Okay. If you haven't figured it out yet, the <laughs> blustery guy in the background was my partner, Dr. Bill. Hello. And we're joined today by the third degree burn boys, Brian Hughes. Hello. Hello. And Tim Elliott. Greetings. And salutations. <laughs> Beware Romulans bearing gifts. gifts. <laughs> and we not, not only are we teaming up for an episode, but we're doing a score episode on Iron Fist. Because as we record this, it's far in the future. But as you're listening to this, the Netflix Iron Fist series is scheduled to come out any day. So we thought we'd take a look at this character. And I guess the first order of business is to say, how was everybody introduced to Iron Fist? Well, it was in a back... Wait, never mind. I'm not even going to finish that. I'm going to say first, the first book we're covering today, Marvel premiere number 15, which was the uh, the introduction of the character, I purchased that off the newsstand. Mm, nice. So I, I was in on the, on the bottom floor on this one, and I've been, I've always been kind of a fan of the character, but I can't say I've ever been an aficionado where I followed everything and knew all the lore. But I've read a lot of stuff, and you know, I've always been kind of a fan of just the uh, the concept. Uh, which includes the idea of a white American going to basically Shangri-La and learning this stuff and learning the east, the the west. What I guess what are the eastern ways, hmm. and come and then coming back to America. You know, it's kind of a fish out of water, kind of the David Carradine kung fu uh, paradigm. So I've always found that interesting, and I, that's that's why I thought the criticism of them. Uh, Casting the role with a white guy was really kind of dumb because that's part of the concept of the character. So that said, when did everybody else get in on this? Um, oh, oh, I go think, go ahead. I I think I was first introduced to the characters of um, 
of uh, Danny Rand and like Colleen Wing, I believe it was in Burns' run on the X Men on the on the on un, uh, Uncanny X Men when they were. I mean, I could be mistaken, but I seem to think that was where I first remember being mentioned. I don't remember if he was actually in it, but I know he was brought up. As for the time, first time I saw the character, I'm not really 100% sure. So, not that that's, you know, that can't pin me down on anything, I guess. Uh, I'll go next. I think, I think mine was I bought the final issue of Power Man Iron Fist just because it was, it was a final issue. And then from there, when I was, then I started doing my back collecting on Burn and my Marvel team ups. The one of the issues we covered tonight, or my, was my other experience. So I haven't really read. Uh, in fact, this Marvel premiere issue I, tonight was the first time I read it. Hey, your list, Brian. I think he hit his mute. You're on mute. Yeah, I'm on mute. Tell him with that mute button. Okay, for me, it began in uh, 79, and I taken to running down the street to the the quickie mart the utotem as it was called and you know just checking every every couple of days to see what comic books they had and they had power man iron fist number 56 and i just thought that it looked really cool so i picked it up and started reading it and i stayed with power man and iron fist all the way through to the end uh of the series and went back and collected all the other other books later when i found john byrne involved uh, as I started getting more and more involved, you know, more and more, uh, I don't want to say obsessed, but more uh, engendered with uh, John Byrne's work. So I'd, I'd stay with the Power Man Iron Fist a long time. But, you know, it was whatever I picked up at the store there until I started going to a comic shop, comic book shop in uh, 82. So, I, you know, it was kind of hit or miss whether or not you were going to get the book or not. So it, I didn't get them all. It wasn't like I, I didn't feel like a completist. So I had to go back and and get them all. And honestly, I think I've read most of them only once and couldn't tell you what happened pretty much. I enjoyed it though. Otherwise I wouldn't have kept buying it. Yeah. I, I want to ask Paul, you said you picked this up off the stand. Were you also reading uh, master of Kung Fu, the other uh, martial arts books they were putting out? No, no, actually I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a huge martial arts aficionado at all. I mean, I, I had seen, I don't know. If, I'm trying to think of timing-wise. I guess Into the Dragon had been out already, and I, I remember seeing it on uh, the home the, the the home video at the time was Wametco Home Theater. So you know they'd only show a couple of movies, and I saw it a couple of dozen times, right around the same time. But Master of Kung Fu kind of eluded me. I, the, I never had quite gotten the allure of that book at that time. Uh, so this this was more or less you know Marvel premiere was kind of like showcase or whatever where they yeah. fly out new things and you know it was just a new new character and I figured I'd give it a shot and I know this particular issue that we're going to cover I probably you know read that issue till the cover was falling off uh, I don't even know if I still own it at this point which is sad because I should uh, but yeah Master of Kung Fu was never one that really grabbed me I'm, I'm more interested in it now from a nostalgia point of view than I was at the time when it was coming out yeah I've been kind of slowly collecting some Master Kung Fu because uh, I'm a big Mike Zek fan, and he did a lot of work on that book, so I've been really? slowly picking those up. Yep, Marvel Premiere number 15, not in my collection any longer. Kind of sad, but I did pick it up off the newsstand at the time, and I thought I was, I was pretty enthralled with it. 
So you uh, are we excited for the new series that's going to drop? I'm pretty Any excited. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a departure from the other series. And, and they're already kind of alluding to that in the, in the, the stuff that they've, they've told us so far. That we might see some actual, like some mysticism? Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing is the, the series, as we've had them so far, between Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage, they've all had their own individual feel to them. There isn't this sense, at least for me, uh, that they're trying to make them all fit together, that, you know, it's a total clean fit, they're all the same. Certainly the uh, the Luke Cage series had, you know, that black exploitation films of the 70s feel about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jessica Jones was kind of just like a, like a noir private eye. Let's put it that way. And then like a private was detective. More, uh, yeah. More mobster thing. Mm. So they've all had their own feel about them, and it's going to be. I, I'm I'm looking forward to this one because it's going to be, I guess, a fourth different feel. But then I'm also looking forward to see how they're going to blend them when it comes time for the defenders to come out because they don't, you know, have that similar feel. So I'm thinking we're going to get a fifth different kind of feel about that one. That they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be in the same fashion of what we've already gotten. Yeah, and and this is a departure from everything because these four really, I mean, aside from Luke, they, they all hadn't come together as a, as a team. You know, Jessica Jones didn't have a lot of interaction with the rest of them, you know, which, which you've considered the primary Marvel characters. Well, they do in the new Avengers, her and, yeah. Um, and, and Luke Cage, uh, obviously. Oh, obviously. She went to school yeah. with Peter Parker. Did she now? She was yeah. coma girl. They were talking, and it turned out she was in the same class as him, and she, whatever accident gave her her superpowers, put her in a coma. Is is Patsy Walker going to be in the Defenders? And are as they Hellcat? Ever... You mean? Well, I mean that, that's you know the the logical conclusion. Are they going to do that with her? I was hoping they worked Doctor Strange in there, but I doubt they can do that. Maybe just one scene. Cameos like Doctor Strange, the Hulk, and the Submariner. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. like they meet at uh you know the Sanctum Sanctorum. And he's like, get out of here. <laughs> We're not get supposed to be together. Lord. Not supposed to be here. Well, you guys can, but not me and the Hulk. <laughs> and the Submariner. And the Silver Surfer. We can't do it anymore. We're old. <laughs> get off my Santorum. Well, I guess we don't have rights to the Mariner, do we? I guess that, that those rights are tied up with the FF. I would think. I would think yeah. if they if they had the rights that by now we would have seen him, yeah. even if it was just in a cameo or something, or just just a mention of him. Now let me ask you guys: after uh, they killed him, oh, sorry, spoilers from thirty years ago. Um, ooh, after, after ooh. they Iron Fist. In, oh, yeah, the final issue of the series, uh, he gets pounded into a wall by Captain Hero. He was asleep in the hospital with him. Um, but yeah, he got he got killed by Captain Hero, and then for a number of years he was you know gone and away. Of course, everybody just said he was dead, and then John Byrne found a way to bring him back in the Namor series. And uh, you know, I didn't follow Iron Fist after that, but the th- one of the things I always liked about him in the in the earlier series, all these disjointed series that he was involved in, was that you know it, it, there was never a world beater. It was never a, a you know big bad that's taking over the world kind of situation really it was always more of the the street level it's, uh, yeah, it was always street level 
Yeah. Now, in the Submariner series, when Byrne did it, didn't Rand help? Well, didn't fund, but didn't use because uh, the Submariner had his own own cash flow. But didn't he work with Rand to with with or was what was it Oracle, Oracle. Inc? Yeah, I think it was Oracle. Yeah. Was that their partnership? Was the business side of it? Because it's been so long since I read that, I just don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's been 25 years since I read that, and I don't... I don't wow, that long? It. Damn. Yeah. I'm old! Oh. <laughs> yeah, early 90s. Duo shade days. Oof. It's hard to believe how long ago that is, right? I think part of it is, for, at least for me, is that the art makes it look newer. Especially when you're comparing the art of, of Burns early work to his later work, there's definite progression. And you see right there how it's so different from what he'd done before. And he was making use of duo shade and they were going into different color processes. And so in that early nineties era, you know, everything looks so new and fresh that even today you open it, you look at it and you go, God, this is gorgeous. It's beautiful, but it's so different. It looks almost new. We covered OMAC the DC series. And, you know, that's just, you know, it looks like something you could pick up off the shelf and look like brand new today. Right. I, I think that one, you know, we've talked about this recently. I don't think it's even made long, but uh, I'm not a total fan of black and white books because I think often they're drawn to have the color added. So sometimes when you see them in black and white, uh, it looks like there's something missing to me, even though you could see the artwork more clearly. But the Burn OMAC series was made to be in black and white. And I think, you know, you, you see a difference then. And, and I think it really does kind of pop for the black and white in that one. Yeah, it's, well, it's kind of like reading an essential. When they take just taking the colors out, you can tell that uh, there's no... And especially a lot of artists today don't use a lot of shading. They rely on the coloring as their shading. So once you take the color out, it just looks like black and white pen line drawings. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's kind of putting giving me my point in a way where it actually makes sense. <laughs> well, do we want to jump into this? Little... Bill, gonna uh, Bill, are you wanna is this Bill gonna synopsize this? Yes, I'm gonna synopsize a book. And as I pause for the collective gasps from the audience, <sighs> cheers of of joy too. <laughs> And a big groan from Scott Gardner. Oh, Jesus. We can, we can cut in that uh, the ladies clapping from Monty Python. <laughs> yep, so I have the privilege of covering Marvel Premiere, Volume 1, Number 15, from 1974. And I think I was, uh, was almost, uh, let me see, May 1974. I was almost uh, five years old. Wow. Meanwhile, Paul was uh, hitting puberty. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. You didn't have your full mustache yet. Might have been the outside looking in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> on our on our cover, uh, the cover credits are Gil Kane, Dick Giordano, Tony Mortalero, and Jasper Saladino. Sitwell. What? No? Yes? Sitwell. Sitwell? What? Not Jasper Sitwell. Hell Hydra, not Jasper Sitwell. <laughs> <clears throat> and we have uh, Danny Rand doing a nice uh, 
some split kicks and taking guys out with the flaming. You know, he's got a flaming uh, iron fist. Almost said power fist. Uh, fist in. He's uh, you know kung fu action in the mighty Marvel manner. And it's too small for me to read, so I got to go to the other page. You karate killers wanted a showdown. Now you got it. Awesome origin issue. And this issue is brought to us by Paul Isaac. Keep stalling, Bill. Uh, writers, Roy Thomas, pencilers, Gil Kane, inker, Dick Jordiano, colorist, Glennis Ween, letters, L.P. Gregory, and the editor is Roy Thomas. And the synopsis goes, It's me, Anna Chan. I'm taking over Dr. Bill's body to give you the synopsis. Are you guys ready? It's been so long. Wait, what do you mean? What? Don't you miss me, little Ernie Chan? Ernie, don't you know that you that you that you died? No, I I know all oh, the afterlife. It's so horrible. I'm so little. Everything's so big. I, I, I oh I, I can't stand it. It's like living in Big Doctor Bill Land. Oh my God, maybe I should go to the other place. Anyway, hit a synopsis. In the realm of Kulun, Dana Rand, Rand, aka Iron Fist, has finished a match of his fighting skills before his master UT and his dragon kings. After the fight, Danny asked UT to allow him to meet the challenge of the one. Before allowing him to do so, UT asked Danny to think about himself and his past and his flashback of time. And so Danny reflects on the events that brought him to where he is now. His father, Wendell, was originally from Kulun, was taking young Danny and his mother, Heather, ooh, a hottie, and his father's business partner, at Dickie, I mean, uh, uh, at Randall, Randall Meacham, Harold Meacham, to see the land of Kulun, which appears on Earth only every 10 years, much like my sex life was. Oh, anyway, along the mountains and frozen passage, Meacham would betray Wendell when Wendell slipped saving young Danny. And when asking Meacham for help, Meacham knocks Wendell off the side of the cliff to his death, much like in the movie Cliffhanger with Stallone, in the hopes that he can take full control of their company. He then left Heather and young Danny behind to live or die in the snowy mountains. Much like uh, Liam Neeson with them other wolves or something. I don't know. When this recollection done, UT agrees to begin the challenge of the one in which Danny has to fight. During the fight, Daniel continues to reflect back on the events that brought him to Kulun. How he and his mother were chased to the gates of the city by a pack of wolves. And how his mother sacrificed her life to help keep the wolves at bay. And how Danny has taken into the city. While Shuhu proves to be powerful against the upper hand. Danny's superior kung fu quickly turns the tide. He summons the strength of his iron fist. I think I'm losing control of Dr. Bill of his iron fist and uses it against Shuhu and defeats him. What the hell's going on? How, how did I get all the way through the synopsis? Shuhu turned out to be nothing more than a robot. How did I get down here? With the, with the challenge done, UT allows Daniel to choose between immortality or death. And that is our synopsis, I guess, because I only remember doing the last sentence. And for anybody who didn't get all that, it was Iron Fist's origin. Because little, little Ernie kind of usurped it on you, Bill. Little Ernie? What do you mean, Little Ernie? Apparently, Little Ernie is living inside of you. Oh, come on. I just sat up. Uh-oh. Whoa. That's kind of weird. I can only think of one entranceway around this. So... Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I never did see the remains. 
Ooh. Well, he's more like Quattro and uh, Quato in uh, Total Recall. <laughs> Total Recall. Oh. <laughs> Except I better not drop my pants. You are what you do. <laughs> so, so in a nutshell, Danny Rand's, punchy, Danny punchy. Rand's dad Danny Rand. takes yeah. him when he's 10 years old. <laughs> Into the Himalayas. Treacherous mountain path. And he gets killed by his partner. And not the Himalayas at those carny rides, you know. Himalaya! This is the actual mountains. So I never realized that his dad was from Kunlun. I only knew that now from reading this. I did. Were you guys aware of that? Or. Well, obviously you were, Paul, because you read this when it first came out. But I didn't, I mean, as long as I've known in the character, I didn't, I thought he found, or they, they they were on an expedition, but I don't really know why. I didn't know his dad was actually from there. I thought that was kind of cool. And it looks like he's also stole uh, the character, uh, uh, oh, what, I think that fought, the fight, he was in Daredevil and Rom, um, the torpedo. Oh. He had the, that. Yeah. That's what the goggles reminded me of, the green goggles. I was like, is this the torpedo guy with the flying, you know, he, he had like the fan jets on his on his wrists and his uh, legs, on his uh, ankles. Legs, yeah. 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 Looks a little bit like, uh, is it Shatterstar from uh, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, head, yeah, that kind of headpiece? Because that's that's great in the Himalayas to have your head exposed where all the heat escapes your freaking body. Yeah. And when you've got a gorgeous set of hair like that, you don't hide it. That's right. Check these locks out, ladies. Yeah, his mom's got her hair whipping around. One minute she's wearing a hat, the next she's not. So, but I was a little confused by the. Um... All right, if if the partner's going to kill him, and he says, "Well, there'll be no, there'll be no more Meacham." Uh... I think that I think that was a mistake. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Why would you re? Why would you get rid of your 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 guy you founded the company with, and then take his name for the company? Yeah. No. And I'm like, huh? What? Unless he's saying, and no one will ever be able to prove I killed you because I'm going to be a silent partner, and they're going to think you're the head of it. I I don't know. It yeah. I I, I think it was a typo as well because it made no sense. Well, that's what happens when the writer's also the editor. Mm. Oh yeah, true. He's, he's missing missing his own mistake. He's had that mental block and just go right over it. I'll say the uh, that full that uh, splash page where he's hitting the rock. Looks like head first. Is a little graphic for uh, like 1974. Yeah, yeah. wow. Purely based on the coloring. Because because they yeah. if, if that had been yellow that coloring, it would look like kind of the emotion line instead of yeah. blood. But because they made yeah. it red, it, it's clearly blood. And well, that's plus nasty. plus you see the picture before. If you go to the panel before, he's fallen head first. Yeah, and 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 you could see the blood by uh, Meacham's boot. Well, that's the hand. step on his hand. Well, and there's jerk. blood on uh, where he hits the rock. There's blood flowing off his head at the bottom yeah. of the page. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's 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 pretty uh, dark. Graphic. And the then scene, next up, and I remember, you know, from reading this as a kid, the scene that kind of stayed with me the most and and was the most disturbing was the mom being killed by the wolves. Mm. Yeah. That yeah, that bothered me more than the. Uh, than, than the dad being killed by his partner. Well, my, my reason, because the mom was hot. This, maybe even then I realized. Well, because maybe you're more attached to your mother at that age. 
and had more of an impact. Well, if he's identifying more with young Rand, he probably, you know, you as a kid, if yeah. you're reading this, you would probably, uh, and she does sacrifice herself. I mean, yeah, that is, I think that was really the big distinction there that she sacrificed herself as opposed to just being killed. Yeah. The, and the dad, you know, not, not that the dad wouldn't sacrifice himself, but he never even had the opportunity. He was just killed and that was it. Yeah. And, and he, we're, just, he fell and bam, dead. Where what happened to her was she was ripped apart. And, you know, her, she could have gone with the theory of, you know, I don't need to be able to outrun these wolves. I only need to be able to outrun you, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. where was the guys? Where were those guys with the cross bolts, you know, like 10, 10 seconds earlier? Like maybe if they both had just kept running, they would have ran into the guys with the cross bolts and she wouldn't have died. But I don't know. Yeah, I know. Based on the narration in it is saying they were not going to make it across the bridge. Mm. So it was, well, it was, it was back and either sacrifice herself or they were going to both get killed. Mm. Unless the guys with the crossbows had, uh, you know, been nice enough to actually come in time to save them early before she sacrificed herself. Whoops. Sorry. We were on coffee break. It was Kunlun coffee. Delicious, <laughs> and it, it it almost appears that they just leave her body there for the wolves to eat. She's dead, but you you are among the living once more. Welcome, lad. <laughs> it's like okay, come on. Welcome to Kunlun. Yeah, and he's holding her bloody hand too, or, or just her arm. <laughs> nice, a severed arm. <laughs> I'll never let go. Ooh, ooh. Just just looking through this, to me, it's it's uh, Gil Kane at his most Gil Kaneiest. When I read, yeah, this. yeah, especially the one uh, after the dad falls down and bounces off the rock. Love on the rocks. Oh wait, sorry, too soon. With uh, we've got the the mandatory Gil Kane up the nose shot of his up nose shots all everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With that, we've got the double up the nose shot. Double shot of my nostril love. Oh yeah, yeah. I you know, I like uh, I like Dick Giordano, but I think he could have done a little bit tighter inking on this. Yeah, especially where the wolves were concerned. In that one little panel before they before the wolves came after the mother, uh, they just they look so off. They look stuffed. I mean, granted, it's yeah. a static medium, you know, but still, yeah, they look kind of like, hey, I'm a wolf. Look at me. <laughs> Gotta bite you. I'm a mean wolf. Well, some of this artwork does look a little, uh, I agree with what you say, Paul, he, the inks aren't quite that tight. Some of it is nicely done. It looks like it's not done so much with a, more it's done with like a, a pen, pen and ink instead of brush, but there what, are... What's it? Was Klaus Janssen part of uh, Giordano's um, studio? Because there are times here where I, I see what makes me think of Klaus Janssen touching. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Did somebody say Klaus? Klaus! Okay, I couldn't let that go by. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting thought because it's very possible. You know, I, I, I kind of forget that, that a lot of artists when they're younger don't just come out and become full-fledged comic artists. First, they work... You know, they, they'll apprentice under somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, that recently came up. I was listening to an episode of the Fantastic Cast, 
and they mentioned how uh, George Perez had apprenticed under uh, Rich Buckler. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, some of the some of the uh, the scenes of Danny as the Iron Fist at the back of the book look a little bit different from the ones in the front. Specifically, now that I've pointed it out, I can't find them. All right, if you look on page bottom of page six, that one where it's got the facial shot there, and the eyes are very pronounced. Now maybe it's because it's it's a close up. There, where he's where he first goes into the flashback. So he's got right. that distant look. It's very detailed. It's very, I mean, just looks really good. Then if you go down to. Hmm, Scanning, scanning, scanning. Um, right before he goes full Iron Fist and, and punches um, um, Shu Hu. Um, where is it? Page 31. After he kicks him in the face. That one there doesn't look as detailed. It, it, like, it almost looks like a different... Like a different inker to me. It's possible, and you know, like Brian said, maybe maybe he even had you know a little bit of studio work going on, and it wasn't all actually Dick Giordano. Uh, but there, it definitely seems that there is a little inconsistency in the inking because some of it looks tighter than others. Uh, the one that you pointed to earlier, when you talked about the Gilkanishness of it, uh, when the close-up of the two faces mm-hmm. after uh, the dad falls, yeah. That almost looks like it's meant to be in a smaller pl- panel and it's blown up. Hmm. Yeah, it might look a little bit more detailed if it was smaller and not so large. So I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if there was any kind of editorial touch-ups on this or anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised in that page if there had been a shot of the father's body laying on the rocks or something that they said, no, nah, too graphic, get rid of it. Can show it. And then they, they played with the panel layout. And, and increase the size of these. Hmm. Yeah, that seems really likely given the thickness of the the lines on some of that. Well, the page opposite where he is falling, that splash page, I get a not a lot, but just a little bit of a Joe Kubert vibe. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah, the it's, yeah, I can the, see what you're saying. it's the ragged clothing, maybe the torn, the tatters, maybe that's it. But or even even some of the line work, like on his shin. Yeah, that's yeah. very Joe Kubert. Kind of the feathered lines. Uh, you guys fans of Gil Kane? I am. I, I'm more of a... Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, as I as I got older, I appreciated him more. Uh, same way for me. When I was a I kid, was... I thought it was, you know, it was just a little too rough for me. But then the older I got, the more I started just appreciating his storytelling and the emotions that he put into faces... Whereas, you know, as, as a young kid, it just, I don't know, when I looked at this stuff because of some of the, the angles he chose, it just looked to me like everybody was a psycho. <laughs> See, to me, Gil Kane was the guy that wasn't Kurt Swan. Because, you know, Kurt Swan was the de facto artist on all the Superman books for a long time. And, you know, it's like if you're sitting there reading Superman, every now and then you would get, you know, more often, you know, a lot in the 80s you would get a Gil Kane doing the artwork and I always kind of liked his street level stuff better than you know galactic or cosmic or, or whatever but it's still it, it was a, a good departure on Superman to see Gil Kane out there 
and I don't think anybody at that time did the the human physiology better than Gil Kane. So I appreciated his work for that. Yeah, I kind of um, was introduced to him on, in the Spider-Man run because I was collecting that more than anything else. But uh, recently, I've been really digging his. I've got a lot of the early issues of uh, his run on Green Lantern, and I'm really digging those early Silver Age books. Yeah, I think that's really where he just kind of made his bones. I mean, I, I guess he was around before that, but that's, I think, the thing he's most famous for is his Green Lantern stuff. But, uh, you know, when I talked about him being, you know, drawing people looking a little psycho-ish, I'm thinking of uh, in Spider-Man, when when Harry was, one, on drugs, yeah. and he was drawing him <laughs> then, and two, after the Green Goblin had been, and I put in quotations, killed, and Harry was kind of going over the deep end. And Gil came through a couple of books then, too. And just, just the way he drew him, it was really just, you know, he just did not look like a regular guy, put it that way. That was the thing that jumped out at me. But like I said, the older I got, the more I got to appreciate Gil Kane. And he's, he's one of the guys who, you know, I, I wish at some point or another I could have, like, met him at New York Comic Con and gotten a sketch from him. But, you know. No, no such luck. He, he would say, "Yeah, let me draw you." Okay, look up at the ceiling. Okay, <laughs> what's stop. that up there? Yeah, what's hold that? The, what? Hold that pose. What? Well, two, two of the guys who I, I'm most disappointed with, for that are Gil Kane and Gene Colan. Because you know they were around and they were doing, sketches at shows, and. Just the timing never worked out that, that, that I was, was able to get them. I, I'm happy that I was able to get, you know, a Herb Trimpey sketch before he passed. Mm. Herb Trimpey is another one that I, it took me a long time to start to to begin to appreciate him. And I'm just kind of coming into that now by reading a lot of his, uh, mainly the, the stuff that Luke's covering over on uh, um, Earth Destructive Directive, the Godzilla stuff and the Shogun Warrior stuff, because I wasn't a big fan of his stuff until you know later most of my herb tripping appreciation comes from the hulk yeah and when i met him at new york comic-con he was actually a hell of a nice guy but you know at least he's one i was able to to manage to to get something from before he, he before he left us and I, I regret not having that with some of these other guys i remember i was listening to an interview i mean we're really going far afield here but I was listening to an interview with uh, Gene Colan on Comic Geek Speak, and he was talking about how he was doing commissions. And I thought, you know, I got to go to his webpage and see how much he charges for a commission. And then it was shortly after that that I heard that he passed away. So mm. I definitely regretted not having a chance to, to get something before. So, on a happy note, <laughs> on a happy note, um, when. Um, when Meacham gets uh, the rock chucked at him, that shot where it hits him, is that where you're saying is maybe a little bit of Klaus influence or looks like a like a Jansen ink? Yeah, it was definitely uh, later in the issue and uh, in the scenes where they're up in the mountains where there was a lot of shading, you know, and, and, and yeah, the mm -hmm. darkness, especially when, you know, he's holding his mother's hand. Hmm. Up, up to his face there, you know, there's, it, it just looked like something that Klaus would have done. Oh, yeah. That page. 
Especially with the eyes and stuff, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, it is funny, as, as I was sitting there reading this, it did make me think to a lot of the, the Miller Jansen work on Daredevil, uh, especially when they were dealing with the hand. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that there was any kind of aping or, or anything like that, but there was something in it, you know, of course, the style that it was written, where the narration goes along and is telling you more of the story than the actual dialogue or anything. You know, it, it seemed a lot similar to that in the style that we saw in Daredevil around that time. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, did Frank Miller read these stories as he was getting ready to, to start, you know, drawing hmm. and writing in the books? You also have some stark backgrounds here, which appear similar to what you might get with the Jansen Miller team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tan, did it throw you guys off, or were you already pretty much... No, I didn't know he was a robot at first. I was like, what? How did a knife come out of his Yeah, head? I didn't. That, that kind of tipped me off. Then I thought maybe it was just... looked like he was throwing it, and maybe that's just the way uh, Kane had drawn it. But They tricked yeah. us. Yeah, it was, it was pretty well, cool. In hindsight, you look at that, and it's like, well, how did I not figure that out? Yeah, yeah. when I looked ahead and then went back, I was like, oh, I see. It, the knife shot out of his hand. Well, that's not right. It's like he's fighting. If you watch Game of Thrones, it's like he's fighting the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Except the mountain's <laughs> well, you know, not the made out of metal. Comparison of the Gray, the Liam Neeson movie, it was also you know interesting because when I first read this, that's what it made me think of. Even though the Gray mm. was only done just a few yeah. years ago. All she needed was some tiny liquor bottles. <laughs> and some duct tape. <laughs> well, back to the knife. I think it's a little. I mean, if this is a test of. Iron Fist skill. That's a little cheating. It's cheating, oh, isn't it? I was like, wait a minute, we're gonna bull <laughs> robot. And I guess the testing his skill is you got to be well, not the robot, but just the fact that it shoots a knife out of its hand. You might even just pull a gun. I mean, if this is about martial arts skill, I mean, and you and should be able to deflect that skill, blade. Be prepared for anything. I guess so. Dodging ability. The Iron Fist should be able to smash the machine. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It is a nice shot when he does the power up, you know. He does the uh well, I was was going to say the Kamehameha wave, but uh Yeah, of course today, you know, he would sit there and this would be like four pages. <laughs> the actual impact would be a two-page spread. Yeah, this, this is five this panels. This would be a six-issue miniseries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this 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 whole fight. We would have one issue would be the first fight, then the second issue would be the flashback. Uh, no, two issues would be the flashback. Then we'd come back for one issue of the fight, then we'd come back with more flash, another two issues of flashback, and then we'd come back with the final fight. So yeah, I gotta ask you: Is the end really a cliffhanger? Okay, you have a choice here: immortality or death. Now I haven't Let read the think. next one, so is it a trick? Does he actually take death because, you know, it's it's a different meeting, blah, 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 you know. Well, to, to them, poorly. Oh, well, to them, does death mean leaving, um, leaving the city? Yeah, leaving the city. Not, mm. not yeah, literally I think, I think that's him. how they're defining it, that if you stay there, you live forever. Do you want to do that or do you want to leave and go back to the world you came from hmm. where you will eventually die? Has anybody read the next one? I have, but it's been a long time. Mm. I, I seem gonna. to remember 
that this moves on to his quest to get revenge against Meacham. And then when he finally does uh, confront him, Meacham is like a wheelchair-bound invalid. So he, he doesn't get the, uh, you know, the, the satisfaction of like a combat to the death kind of thing. Uh. I could be I could be wrong on that. It's been a while since I've read it. Then they eventually kind of re retooled the character when they came out with the Immortal Iron Fist and they tried to make it more of a legacy thing mm-hmm. with the Iron Fists of the past kind of thing. Uh, and I remember reading that at the time and thinking it was very well done. But I've kind of heard some people since say, yeah, it hasn't held up. And I guess that's probably about maybe 10 years old. Is that the Brubaker fraction run? Yeah. And and as as best as I can remember it, they did kind of present Danny Rand as being more of the, you know, in that to- that snarky Tony Stark kind of mold. Hmm. Which you know I, I don't know that that fits his character. I think he's I think you know consider when you consider this guy's childhood mm-hmm. and what he grew up with, you would think he would really be a very you know, serious, down-to-earth guy. A stoic. Yes. So, I don't know, maybe that's it. But it, again, I read that when it first came out, and I thought it was pretty entertaining, but I have never done a reread on it, so I'm not sure. I think Andy Leyland recently posted something that he read it and was less than thrilled with it. All right, so we got any more on this? I'll take that as a no. Nine. I did want to ask a question. The front cover, you've got the the little circle up top with Iron Fist in it. Is that Gil Kane? No, I think that's Iron Fist. Put him boom. Ah, sorry, that was too easy. Uh, I walked into that one. <laughs> I'm gonna say. Let me zoom in. No. Normally, I would say because he was the art director at this time, I would say anything like that is. John Romita, but it doesn't really look like Romita, does it? But it doesn't look like Gil Kane either. <coughs> so I'm having a tough time kind of placing it. Did, did you know? Did Roy Thomas and Gil Kane get creator, uh, you know, creator titles on that? They're listed, I think, and Wikipedia lists them as the creators of it. There was a little text piece in here. Um, just Sup- to supposedly, they. Uh, well, the t- story is Thomas had saw seen his first kung fu movie, and there was some ritual in there called the Ritual of the Iron Fist. And he liked the name. And then he got what he asked Stan Lee. Stan Lee liked the name. And then he got with um, Gil Kane, and Gil Kane brought in some influences from '40s comics or movies, some called Amazing Man, and that's kind of where I guess maybe the character kind of evolved. It's a comic by Bill Everett. Okay, that's it. Yeah, and yeah, but but he he went directly to Kane. So Kane did apparently uh, design the costume, but it just it it really doesn't look Gil Kane like in that little yeah. circle. Yeah, I didn't so, think so. I'm gonna if if I had to put money on it, I would go with Romita. But it doesn't really jump out at me as looking like Romita either. <sighs> but that's who I would if if I had to bet, that's who I'd go with because I can't think of anybody else. Who it clearly looks like. You guys have an opinion on who it is? Nope, that's why I asked. 
Yeah. I mean, I agree. It doesn't look like Kane, but I, uh, it's it's a small. I can't really. And it doesn't Even look like it up. I can't really. Yeah, I don't know exactly who it is either. He definitely looks in that shot. Looks kind of stocky. He doesn't really have that martial arts body that you would expect. And I no, think and Kane, Kane kind of drew him with more of the martial arts body. So yeah, Kane usually draws him kind of clean. It's not Kane. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe if anybody has an answer to that one, let us know. But I, I do really like this cover, by the way. I think it's it's pretty cool. Well, he's, he's beaten up was it one, two, three, four guys? It still has time to break the uh, the post. Yeah. For no apparent reason. <laughs> well, it's his iron fist. He's got to show off the iron fist. Of course, it's a little misleading because, you know, these are the guys he fights inside, but they're not. Uh, they're not killers, you know, and they weren't looking, you know, they weren't looking for a showdown with him. <laughs> Oops, sorry. That was a confusing part of the story because it made it sound at one point like it was a fight to the death. Maybe it was to but the pain. It, yeah, definitely to the pain. pain. So do we want to grade this? All right, so I guess the first rating should come from uh, the learning. Oh, you oh. control the Bill's body long enough. Oh, no, no, Ernie. No, no, no. Oh, I, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Get out. Uh, all right. I'm in control here. Um, <coughs> or am I? Who is in control? Me or Dr. Bill? So, um, the cover. Yeah, I do like the cover. It's um, It's got pow. It's got zip. It's got kicks. It's like a chorus line for a kung fu show. Huh. Um, now this was—I think—if I was a young Paul Spataro, I, I might be interested in buying this off the shelf. So I think I'm going to give it a—I'm mm, going to give it a B plus. And the story—I like the the whole. The flashbacks work. I mean, a lot of times you're like, "Oh, flashbacks," but these these are woven into what's going on. More so than just like an info dump flashback. It's, you know, he's actually in the fight. And at, and at one point, uh, the, the what is it, the Jade Dragon? Or uh, UT tells him to, you know, think back to reflect on what brought you here. And then he goes back and he has the other one to fight. So um, for an origin, I'm going to give it an A. Inside the art, other than, I mean, it's a little different here and there. With some of the styles, seems a little different, but overall, I still enjoy the art and think it flows good. And I'm gonna give the art a B plus as well. So it's that's like a B plus A minus book for me. Who's next? I'm gonna go next. Then we'll, give, we'll then we'll hand it over to our burn guys. It's your turn, Mr. Paul. I mean, I mean, yeah, Paul. Off to you. Uh, like I said, I really like the cover. I think it's exciting. It's intriguing uh, it is taking advantage of a popular uh, pop culture trope of the day with the uh, martial arts movies being so big I think all, all around I think it's very solid so I'm just going to give the cover an A uh, the interior art I think on the penciling I probably would give it an A 
but the inconsistency on the uh, inking kind of drops it down just a little bit. That and the coloring in it is it's a little too muted. There's points where it should be a little brighter, I think, or, or just a little bit more dynamic looking. So neither of those is, is a terrible thing to pull it down, but I'm going to say just a, a straight B where it could have been an A- minus if those two items were better done. Uh, and story-wise, I found it intriguing. I went through it really quick and wanted more. So I'm going to say an A on the story, and overall I'm going to give the book a B plus. Okay, I um, I think I'll go here. Uh, as far as the cover goes, uh, if, if I had seen that on the shelves when I was a kid, you couldn't have stopped me from grabbing it up. I definitely would have picked that one up, so I've got to give the cover an A. Uh, it's just got, yeah, it's got all the zing that you'd want to see in a cover. Um, the store, the the artwork itself in the book, um, you know, I've always liked me some Gil Kane. I've, you know, you know, rarely, rarely have complaints on that. Like you said, there were some issues, but it looks more like the inking, you know, had to do with that. So I'll give that, you know, a B plus. And uh, the story made me want to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna gonna go on and continue the series now, because I hadn't looked at it before. So I've got to give a nay there also. No, it's high praise from uh, Mr. Bride. Oh, for a non-burn nice. book. <laughs> uh, we we find fault with burn too. Uh, I guess I will. Uh, I'll close this out. Uh, cover. I'm going to give it a B plus because as it is dynamic, it's uh, his 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 pose is a little. I don't want to say flat, but he's he's. I want a little more of a dynamic angle on him, uh, and just as the graphic designer in me, the, his logo Iron Fist looks too much like the Iron Man logo, so I deduct a little bit for that. But uh, inside art, I'm giving it an A because I really enjoyed it. I, I'm a big fan of Kane. I thought uh, his fight scenes were pretty dynamic. Uh, the story flowed pretty well. Uh, and the story itself, I'm gonna give a B, because uh, it was it was intriguing, and I kind of want to read ahead. Uh, the the prose is a little flowery, so that was kind of hard to get through sometimes. But that's just I think that's just the, the, the uh, that's kind of the tone that Thomas was trying to set. So I guess overall mine would be about an A minus. All right. All fair. So now it really wouldn't be right if we didn't cover a John Byrne Iron Fist book. So what have we got? Well, Tim and I sat there and discussed it, and instead of going into the Iron Man Iron Fist proper series, we went to Marvel Team Up number 63. And uh, Marvel Team Up 63, let's see, it came out November, uh, cover date was November 1977 came out on the shelves August 24th cover price 35 cents had a 32 page count although only 17 pages of actual story the title of the story is Night of the Dragon uh, the cover credits are Dave Cockrum and Frank Gayakoa the story writer is Chris Claremont penciler John Byrne anchor and colorist Dave Hunt and letter John Costanza 
This came out in November 1977, uh, or at least. Wow, that's uh, yeah. Cover date November 1977. I'm looking at other books that had the cover date of November 1977 that Byrne worked on was solely Avengers 165, and that was the middle chapter of the Count Nefaria story with the Avengers. Um, this was a part of kind of the di the disjointed history of Iron Fist because, of course, he started off in Marvel Premiere moved off to his own series, which lasted 15 issues. And so the unresolved storylines they had, namely the one we're going to start discussing here, uh, were they were still piecing together at the end of uh, issue 15. So we had this issue, a follow-up issue in Marvel Team-Up 64, and then his storyline continued on in Power Man number 48, where it ultimately became Power Man and Iron Fist. So somehow back in the 70s, if you were lucky, if you knew what you were doing, you could follow all that around and, and you know, continue to collecting Iron Fist if you were the Iron Fist completist. Were you able to follow that, Paul? Uh, follow mean, it as far as your explanation of it? Absolutely. Yeah. Follow I mean, it as in get all the books and know where it was going and coming from? Not really. But I did buy this one off the stands brand new as well. Mm. Cool. Nice. Okay, so our synopsis goes like this. Our story opens with Iron Fist trying to kick the reader, angry because his solo book got canceled. No, uh, wait, excuse me. No, actually, the story opens with Iron Fist in training, trying to recapture what made him the finest martial artist on the planet. His training gets interrupted by the doorbell as Spider-Man, in the secret identity of Peter Parker, has come to his home to do a photo shoot of the Rand House, presumably for the Daily Bugle's lifestyle section. Peter, while entering Danny's home, hands him a scroll he found stuck in the door. Peter says it's probably a flyer from a local supermarket, but Danny reads it in his private, uh, reads it in private, and learns that it is a formal challenge of single combat to the death from a foe calling himself Steel Serpent. The Steel Serpent had actually attacked Iron Fist twice recently and had been successfully stealing portions of Iron Fist's chief in these attacks. Danny makes a quick excuse to Peter and asks to postpone the photo shoot. Peter offers help if it is needed. Danny says no and leaves immediately. Peter quickly changes to Spider-Man and begins to follow Danny thanks to the spider tracer that he threw under the taxi cab that Danny took. Meanwhile, we next catch up with Misty Knight who's working undercover as Maya Corday on a yacht owned by the villainous Bushmaster. Bushmaster relays to Misty his plans to get Iron Fist killed by putting him in the Steel Serpent together. Like Misty throws Bushmaster across the room, holds him up high against the wall with her superpowered bionic arm. She forces the Bushmaster to tell her where the two will fight. She then escapes off the yacht using her bionic arm to the fullest. She steals the speedboat and heads back to New York and the man she loves. We now go back to Spider-Man. <laughs> Who was not able to keep up with the cab once it got away from the skyscrapers. He did track the cab down thanks to the spider tracer. Right. He gets to the cab driver. He gets the cab driver to tell him where he dropped Danny off and proceeds to run there on foot into the park. Iron Fist goes with the scroll directly, and he finds the steel serpent there ready to fight. He finds out that his foe is not Lee Kung, as he originally thought, but Kung's son. The two bow and start their duel. 
Both were able to get attacks in, in an accordion. They appear to be evenly matched, and in the end, one will have to make a mistake to lose. Unfortunately, it's Spider-Man who makes a mistake by entering the fray once he realizes that Danny Rand is Iron Man. Uh, excuse me, Iron Man. I don't know why I keep looking. He tries to help, but underestimates the Steel Serpent's ability and winds up getting used as a baseball bat against Iron Fist. As Iron Fist goes on the attack again, the Steel Serpent positions himself to steal the rest of Iron Fist's chi and the actual Iron Fist itself. There's a bright flash, and it appears the Iron Fist is transferred over to the Steel Serpent as the beaten Danny falls helpless. Spider-Man comes to just as Steel Serpent proclaims victory. The Serpent is just about to finish Danny off, but gets an Iron Fist strike of his own. Misty Knight arrives, brandishing a ray gun. She fires it to let the Steel Serpent know she means business. Steel Serpent puts Danny down and leaves. So as he walks away, he thinks to himself he's going to kill him, and Danny breaks Misty rushes to Danny's side as Spider-Man just stands there. He continues. Out here. So, what'd you think? Well, uh, gentlemen, I enjoyed reading this one, if, uh, to answer your question. Uh, I enjoyed reading it when it was new, and I enjoyed reading it again. <laughs> and I'm not sure I've read it in between at all. Uh, you know, the, the story... You know, the whole thing with, like, Peter Parker going to interview somebody... <laughs> yeah. It, it's a little far-fetched, and they Plot use... Plot contrivance! Oh, yes. sorry. <laughs> yeah, and they, they it's, a, it's an overused plot contrivance, because they did it far more often than would make sense you know I, I remember we covered one in here for one of our Daredevil score episodes where uh, Peter Parker happened to be going to San Francisco to interview Matt Murdock at the time <laughs> it's like really you know, actually he wasn't interviewing Matt Murdock he was interviewing Daredevil Is he, he, Daredevil's living in a mansion as Daredevil nobody knew his secret identity yeah <laughs> yeah and in, in uh, uh, an earlier issue of Marvel team up with Captain Britain he is forced to take the guy on as a roommate yeah, as, as a foreign exchange student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think it's earlier. I think it's I think it's uh, issue oh, sixty five. I think it's right, only yeah. two issues away from here. Yep. So I mean, there, there's definitely the plot contrivances there that are just silly, but I think the whole thought of it is really like we have to get an excuse to just have these two together, you know, just just roll with it because. If we if we try to come up with something that's going to make sense, it's going to take up way way too much of our time, and you know, you're not going to get as much story. So just you know just just accept the silly plot contrivance and let's move on. So, I, despite the fact that I'm complaining about it, I'm saying that I guess that's what we need to do. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is the way it's drawn. When Danny goes to confront the Steel Serpent and Peter decides to change into Spider-Man, first of all, why would you climb up the side of the building to change into Spider-Man? Aren't you trying to be uh, not noticed by people as you're changing? <laughs> but in the panel where he's climbing up, it looks to me like the way Byrne drew him, it looks like he did draw shoes on his feet and then realized, no, you wouldn't climb up on, on with, with shoes on your feet, so let me draw shoes around his neck, but I'll still keep his feet the way I drew them. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know yeah, if I'm does. That, but that's what it looks like to me. Well, that was a that was a Ramita thing, wasn't it? Ramita was started uh, drawing him where he would tie his shoes together and uh, throw them around his neck when he was uh, changing. Yeah, no, I, I definitely mm -hmm. have seen that, but just 
the way it's drawn, at least the shadows yeah. at the bottom of his foot, it looks like there's a heel. Yeah, he's already got some Muffy black socks on. Well, that's, I guess, one of my questions about the Spider-Man costume, because isn't he wearing the Spider-Man costume underneath? That was the uh, the popular thought that he would Yeah, do. but he didn't have, I don't think he has heels on his suit. Yeah. They're more like booties. True, 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 true. Well, why would you climb up the side of the building to change? Wouldn't you just go, like, into a back alley? Aren't you because pulling attention to yourself by, by walking up the side of the building in your civilian outfit? Well, he is in a hurry. He's he's leaving the scene and changing at the same time. Maybe it's because it's... Well, it's not dark, is it? Well, it's not dark when he shows up at the house. But no, I guess it's, maybe it's... it's it says dust, he's, he's from a service alley. But I, I don't know. I just think he would have been better just staying in the alley. But that's just me. What can I tell you? <laughs> uh, you know, all of that aside... I did like, I guess it's, you know, Chris Claremont was writing Iron Fist when the series was coming out. So, you know, he certainly wanted to be the guy that picked this up and, and went with it because it's probably storylines he had planned for the series had it not been canceled. So if he didn't get to do it here, eventually somebody else would have picked up the character and his story would have been just never used. Yeah. I, do, I get to kick it, you know, gets the parchment. And it's, uh, you know, I challenge you to a single combat unto death. Signed, Steel Serpent. <laughs> it's almost, I don't know. It's not sincerely. Yeah. RSVP. Please RSVP if you're going to come. Please check coming, tentative, not coming. You know, there's one thing I notice here is you look at, at Danny Rand and all these shots here. He doesn't look like Hank Pym or Steve Rogers or Johnny Storm or any of the other blonde guys in the Marvel Universe, whereas yeah. a lot of them have a tendency in Burns' case to look alike. But again, this was early enough in his career that, that other people were coming back behind him and redrawing you know facial features on characters. They did that with the x-men in the last issue of iron fist where dave cochran came along and 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 helped out there so it might be a lot of dave hunt because a lot of the facial features here on danny mm -hmm. rand especially on the page where he and peter meet it doesn't look like burn pencils on the face it hasn't mm -hmm. quite evolved into that typical burn face that uh we would learn you know later on in x-men and certainly when he jumped to Fantastic Four and Superman, but And that bottom left panel looks like, you know, seventies Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. On facial hair. It does. The the two blonde characters that I think are the most common commonly drawn similar as far as facial features are Steve Rogers and Clint Barton. Hmm. The way they used to be drawn back then. You, you, if they were in civilian outfits, they were virtually in, indistinguishable. Hmm. Except that's for that they, bow and arrow. That's why they bore their costumes everywhere. Yeah. And they might draw they might draw Steve Rogers as being slightly more bulky, but that didn't carry through to the facial. Uh, well, that was that shield he kept tucked in the back of his jacket. <laughs> how, how bulky would you have to be to have that on your back and nobody notices it? <laughs> it was like Angel's Just, tucking his wings in, into his coat and tying them to his legs. Or Tony Stark with his chest plate under his yeah. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Hate to slap those guys in the back. God, Tony, what Ow. the hell is he? Doing? Man, well, Rogers would look like a hunchback with that shield. Yeah, 
you got to wonder how long Iron, uh, you know, Danny took to get changed, because you know the doorbell rings and then boom, he's right up at the front door and he's in his sweats with the towel. Quick change artist. Well, really, all he has to do is throw off that uh, mask and then put a uh, the, the clothing that collar may fold down. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah that's going to get away. He's wearing thing. a sweatsuit. It's not like he threw a robe on. Yeah. Well, maybe he just pulled the sweats over it. He's got to be really hot. It's like, geez, we get out of here already? I'm dying in this thing. And now, on the, the Bushmaster section there, was that from Power Man? The Power Man book? Or was that something that was always carrying on in the Iron Fist story? I'm trying to remember. It looks more Power Man. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Because wasn't wasn't one of the characters in the recent series, the Netflix series called Bushmaster? Uh, I think that was Diamondback. That's right, Diamondback. Yeah, the killer was the the guy that came to kill him was Diamondback, and hit, that's yeah, a, you that had, is a character from um, Power Man, I think. Because yeah. you had you had Cottonmouth, Shades, and Diamondback, and then Black Mariah. <laughs> don't call me that. Oh, sorry. What I don't know is if Misty Knight is ever going to get her bionic arm in the uh, TV series. I know she took a lot of damage to her arm at yeah. the end I, of I the. Think, uh... I think she will. She's you got to wonder how arm. deep undercover she is here. I mean, you know, generally uh, crime bosses aren't going to just take you on their their ships if you you know their yacht. Their yachts. Yeah. Just just you know yeah I like her. You know, I mean, usually you got to be pretty deep undercover. Let's just put it that well, way. Well, she she says, uh, what, you know, what's doing, lover? I mean, that implies that they're obviously sleeping together. So yeah. Slut. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess what's anything... funny is that that panel where she's lifting him up and shoving him against the wall. Um, the way her dress is designed, you wonder if the comic code authority came in and had them wipe out a little bit of uh, plumber showing there, plumber's crack. Because mm. that goes really low, doesn't it? <laughs> Hello, can you go? <laughs> I always liked in um, in these books in the 70s, whenever Byrne had somebody in vests and such, the designs that they'd put on, on all that, and then also like what they've done on the carpet. You know, I don't know if that's some kind of... Uh, that's a zipatone or something, zip isn't it? A zipatone kind of thing, yeah. I always like that. I, I know Terry Austin, you know, when Terry Austin inked him, we saw a lot of it there, but this is Dave Hunt, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it looks really, really well done. You know, and, and even the, the Kirby crackle that we saw in the panels, the flashback panels with uh, Steel Serpent, you know, it was real, real good, accurate Kirby crackle. Well, the, the whole thing with Zipatone to me is it, it really. You know, it, it can really make things look good mm -hmm. until they overdo it. Yeah. You, you really have to use it sparingly. And I, I think here it's pretty much used sparingly. You don't see too much of it at all. No, it's... When it, when it starts drawing attention to itself, that's when you realize that, you know, you're, you've kind of overdone it a little too much. But Well, did, did they do it in, uh, like, a page... There are no numbers. I guess in the art, it's 11, where... Steel Serpent's kicking 
Danny right in the right in the midsection. If you look at the grass and the trees, you can see the little dots all in the in the trees. That's a mark of the zipatone, isn't it? You see what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Uh, it could be. I'm not 100 percent sure if there's if there's a different uh, <clears throat> technique to create that. I don't know. Hmm. Well, this this forest scene I thought looks so much. This you see this a lot from Burn. It looks just like the forest scene where X Men fought Alpha Flight, uh, or any other scene hmm. where he's got him in the woods. Yeah, you expect to see a Wendigo pop out of yeah. the bushes. <laughs> But I, 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 I give him credit for drawing the backgrounds. I mean, uh, artists nowadays would not. It should just be, it just be a colored background or maybe some motion lines or something. It would be no background. And these are some pretty intricately drawn, detailed backgrounds. Yeah. I think when you, when you get to the battle scenes towards the end, the the artwork and the coloring and everything really pop. I think it's it's from the point when uh, Iron Man and uh, Steel Serpent confront each other. The artwork really just... It's good before that, but it seems to take a step up. The action sequences are really what seem to make it. For many of these back-to-back, the Gil Kane issue and this, I actually found the the fight scenes in uh, the Marvel premiere book a little more dynamic than this. These seemed a little... just a little stiff. Well, you know, Byrne himself didn't know... You know, he didn't know Kung Fu. He didn't know all the, the style of fighting and everything. If you told him someone's doing this kind of kick or that kind of kick, he didn't know that. He had gotten a, a book of martial arts, um, you know, poses and such, yeah. and then he winged it from there. But he was using, you know, a book to show him the various poses and whatnot. And he didn't, he just, you know, put him in these poses. So you're saying that burn took these poses uh just like and just, you know made them mesh together i like the 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 that wild kick oh, man that's that's what is that that's on page uh, actually on page 11 again the top panel looks like he kicked the silver serpent uh silver surfer yeah. silver serpent's head clean off yeah <laughs> cack cack <laughs> he won oh, his head's gone that's nice that he mentioned shang chi as well yeah, I thought that was a nice. Uh... Although, and then the other ch- uh, move that is like, uh, <laughs> it would be page fourteen, right before the big blinding light that blinds Spider-Man. Uh, what kind of move is that? <laughs> that the Silver Serpent is, uh, um, or Steel Serpent, not Steel. Uh, what I that, mean, I can't. That even... that actually comes from the Saturday Night Live skit, ambiguously gay duo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never quite seen that move. <clears throat> Which one are you talking about? I lost sight. Where he's got his arms underneath. Uh, he, he Danny's arms. He's pulling the chest to him so he can absorb the iron fist. Yeah, yeah but it looks a little, uh, you know, questionable. Well, it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't get that vibe from it at all, though. Unless and I thought he actually kind of absorbed the 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 brand off of him, but then later shots you see the brand is still on Danny. Well, the brand is a tattoo. Mm. But it cha- but you channel the energy. That's channel the chi. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I thought it would have been a nice touch if he actually lost the 
lost lost a tattoo like, like the star like, like the star brand just transfer from one person to the next yeah 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 there you go well the tattoos are almost exactly the same except iron uh, iron fist his has wings and the other guys doesn't yeah. so well, that, you that, you get wings i don't that's because the the uh, the other guy had actually wrestled the serpent the the dragon in in an attempt to get the iron fist and he failed so the the wings didn't transfer with the tattoo now that now that tattoo that is on his chest that without without the wings isn't that the symbol we saw in Daredevil that the um, the 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 Japanese lady was was she Japanese or was she Chinese no the Chinese lady who was the drug runner in the first in Daredevil season one there was that symbol was drawn on some of the packets of the drugs they were they were uh, putting out uh, do you guys remember that I can't remember that yeah I don't oh. remember that but that, I mean that's that would be cool. I get a Now I'm gonna have to look that up. Vamp, vamp. <laughs> and I was just looking on page 16, and as you know, he, the Steel Serpent, puts up his fist. He's got the Kirby crackle around it, which uh, really, really like that. I liked it, but he's drawn awfully. He's the his anatomy's off a little bit. He's a little too stocky, and his arms seem a little too short. I mean, I know it's a, it's a perspective shot, but it's. Hmm. And I guess he's, I mean, he's meant to be, I guess, a little beefier than uh, Iron Fist, but... Yeah, he, he's all pumped up from the from the fight. He's he's jacked up. Well, if you look yep. at him on the cover, oh, he's got to be easy seven feet tall. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Aha! Uh -huh. Got it? Yes. Uh, well, almost. Television. Ah, in the Netflix TV series Daredevil, Steel Serpent is the name of the brand of heroin sold by Madame Gao, ah. a drug lord and ally of Wilson Fix. The wingless dragon tattoo that is the symbol of the Steel Serpent is stamped on packages of heroin. And I'll see. I'll put a get a picture and put it in the chat, and it might jar your guys' memory. Huh. Well, that cool. certainly means they're thinking ahead, and it means we'll possibly see this character in. Uh, Iron Fist. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... Is, I, I think it's going to be integral to the origin. Is, when they do, are they going to run a season of Iron Fist and then they're going to do Defender, the Defenders? Yeah. Or will the Defenders run concurrently with any of the other series? No, I think, I, I think I, they can do Iron Fist and then Defenders. I think Iron Fist comes in March and then Defenders is going to come... Much yeah, later, and then, and then like maybe October or so. And then the next right, season of Daredevil. Yeah. There's the picture where you see him holding the package. Oh yeah, that's and it. it. And it's got the symbol on it. And then there was like other big bags of of, of heroin with it on it as well. Cool. Very Eat. observant, Doctor Bill. Yep. It's like I know I've seen this before. Good not catch. just a pretty face. Okay, I'm not. A pretty I can face. attest to that. <laughs> So You've Misty, seen me when I wake up. So Misty Knight comes in with a ray gun. Where was she hiding that gun? Oh, wait. Well, it was in the car. It was yeah. in the car. Sure, Zach. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And then well, the guy This, this is yet another one, I have to say. It makes me want to pick up the next issue and read it. Oh, yeah. Leaves us off on a cliffhanger. I think it's well done. Uh, you know, overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this story. That's what I've always loved about Marvel Team Up because it's 
kind of a like opening a window on the the entire Marvel universe through Spider-Man because he would he would like drop mm-hmm. into this story, which is picking up from another book. He you know spends an issue or two or three dealing with this, and then he then it has to you know directly lead into another one where he's you know they then they may go off and finish their story. He's on to somebody else's story. So you get a lot of different. Yeah, you get Peter, a lot more variety. Want, now, Peter, we want you to go interview Steve, Steve Rogers. Now we want you to go interview uh, <laughs> the Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody got any more uh, commentary on this one? Well, I, I, I'm with you there, Paul. I'm. I'm. I want to. I, I think I'm just going to read the entire Iron Fist storyline from Marvel premiere on through to Power Man and Iron Fist. So I don't That's one of the things about doing this show is it makes me want to do that all the time. And there's just not enough hours in the day, unfortunately. Yeah. There was time. There's time now. But again, so, this yes, is... I, would, I would like to pick up from that Marvel premiere issue and read through all the way through uh, Immortal Iron Fist, to be honest with you. But I know there's not going to be time for that. I may start that project at some point, but I'm never going to get through it. You know, I'll, I'll get a certain amount through and then you know, something shiny will be there and I'll move on to something else. <laughs> well, it's if you could be collecting, I mean, you know, I've been collecting for 30 years and Paul, you've been collecting more and there are characters that I really don't, I mean, I know like a, that's like a surface level information about them, but uh, you don't, you know, you don't know anything really more than kind of what their power set may be and what and who they are. But it makes you want to kind of go in and it's like, you know, this character's been around for 40 years and I've never really looked into it. So, it, you know, I'm the same way. It kind of wants to make you explore more of these, uh, the more the more the corners of the uh, the Marvel Universe or DC or whoever you're reading. Which is really, I guess, the purpose of series like Marvel Team Up and Marvel Yeah. Premium. You know, give you a little taste of the character and now you got to get more. It's a drug. True, true. It's a gateway drug gateway to drug. the other books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the first one wasn't free either. <clears throat> <laughs> and it and it didn't hurt the fact that which I always loved when I first started reading comics that the editor's notes. Still though, it's a great yeah. collaboration. Yeah, I yeah. Think and he I, I'm, more of an ownership on X Men than he did on this, no question. So I think I think that's reflected in the stories as well. But it's uh, definitely you know the uh, Iron Fist is where he got his first regular assignment at Marvel. <clears throat> Uh, the only thing he did uh, prior to that was uh, a, a story in, in a Dracula book. Which... Wasn't and some problem. of that may be that he he would not had may not had time to plot some of this stuff because. <clears throat> but I think I think as Paul said he he did uh, have more of a, an ownership on X Men that he felt that that was, you know, their book together. And these others were just I mean it's not like he's. Even when he's just just uh, an artist for hire, he's not slacking off. He's still doing he's doing some great pencils, yeah. but um, he's not. Um, maybe that's just maybe he wasn't interested enough to to develop this character more because you think that he might have brought it back when he had a chance to. He could have brought uh, Iron Fist back. He, I mean, obviously he did in Namor. But if he was really compelled, or if he thought this character that interesting, he might have brought him back on his own, the way he, um, you know, to do a solo series. He didn't, you know, the thing is, is that he didn't even consider bringing Iron Fist back until the late 80s. He had a conversation with Roger Stern. 
And Roger Stern said, well, if I was going to do it, I'd do it like this. And he goes, that's brilliant. Can I use that? And, of course, Roger Stern and him get along really well. So um, when he started off Namer, he used he used a lot of Roger Stern's ideas to do that. Well, it's it's very similar to the way they brought Gene Gray back, the way he did in Fantastic Four. Duplicate, you know, in a, in a, in a kind of a stasis um, coma or something and brought back, so... Yeah, that was that whole uh, cocoon down in the Jamaica Bay. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so do we want to grade this one? I think it's about time. All right. Why don't you guys go first on this one? Okay, go ahead. Uh, All right, well, go, uh, Brian. let's see, on the cover, uh, now that was, who did that cover again? I was looking at it's Cochran. Dave Cockrum. Yeah, Cockrum. Um you know the, the 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 cover for me just didn't didn't do it. It's uh, kind of two dimensional and lifeless. Uh, Spidey looked more cartoony, especially down towards the legs, and it just you know there was there was something not right there in the proportions and everything. So I was going to give the the cover like a C minus. Um, the interior art is early burn, but. Uh, you know, definitely they've got uh, an anchor that is working with him and keeping things tight. And Byrne has been working through the anatomy issues that he had, you know, previously. Uh, if you'd read Iron Fist just in the months before, he, he still hadn't quite worked out the anatomy of the midsection very well. Um, so, yeah, this is this is just it's a work, just a straight A. Uh, on the art, the story, I, I'll give it a, a, a solid B plus. You know, it's, you know, there's the contrivances that just knock it down a little bit, but it's, you know, good driving story. It moves along, and it makes you want more once it's out, once you get to the end. So, uh, I guess that gives the the book an overall uh, B. All right, uh, I guess I'll go. I will, I'll give the cover a B minus. Uh, as much as I love Cockrum. This one is a little, uh, it's a little dark, but that's kind of expected from Cochran. But uh, I agree some of the, with you, Brian, some of the anatomy is a little little wonky. Spider-Man is a little, I think, foreshortened a little too much. Uh, Almost figure... back like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's got tiny little legs. The, uh, the, the figure of Iron Fist looks a little rushed. Um, and it's just not as dynamic as, uh, as I know Cochran can do, so... Uh, that's a B minus for me. The art inside, uh, that's an easy A. That's an A. Um, it's, it's not it's not top level burn, but even uh, beginning burn is uh, I think A in my book. Uh, and I give the story an A because I thought it was it did move along. It was uh, it was compelling. It, it 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 helped tie up this loose end of the uh, his his book being canceled, and it uh, it made me want to uh, read more, which is I think what every story should do. So that'd be what? Uh, I guess A minus an A overall. Yeah. Um, for the cover, I'm gonna I'm gonna say B minus, but I'm gonna pump it up to a B plus just because the scene is actually in the comic, and I was I always like a yeah. I always like seeing an actual shot from the book on the cover mm-hmm. because you don't get a lot of that nowadays. Um, the interior art 
uh, is Burn, Young Burn, but Good Burn. So I'm going to give that a, uh, and a, I'm going to give it an A minus because I kind of like some of his other stuff a little bit better. But this is still good. Um, and the story, mm, I mean, it's kind of interesting with the whole, uh, you know, with the whole thing with the, with the Steel Serpent. Uh, but yeah, the contrivances make it a little silly somewhat, but uh, it's still, I'll give it a, I'll give it a C plus B minus. So mm, we're still looking at like a B plus, I'd say a B plus book. All right. Well, to you, Mr. Paul, I, I'm usually a easy mark for Dave Cockrum stuff. I, I really like his stuff, uh, but I look at the cover and it's really not, not among his better things. Uh, I think it's not as just not as dynamic and, and full of action. Even though it's an action shot, it doesn't feel full of action. I don't know. And the proportions and the perspective just all seem to be off. So I'm going to give the cover a B minus. I'm going to say a B plus on the interior art. Still really solid, but you know. There are areas where, as he got more experience, he would have done even better with them. The story itself, I really liked it. I, you know, plot contrivances aside, I just thought it was fun to go through, uh, and it did make me want to pick up the next issue. And it really, I don't think, would matter if you didn't read the prior issues anyway. So overall, uh, I'm going to say the story is very solid, and I'm going to say a, uh, an A minus on the story. And overall, I'll give the book just a uh, a straight B. You know, there's there's something that uh, all the time that I've been reading Burn, when I looked at these early stories and even in a, the few issues he did of Amazing or Spectacular, I always thought that his Spider-Man was rather undynamic. You know, it's it's almost like he was bored drawing Spider-Man because you can't see the face. He doesn't have any great accoutrements to the costume other than the webbing under his arms. So his Spider-Man didn't have the the dynamic appearance that the other characters could have. Is that just me? Or had you guys thought that? When he did Amazing later, um, I think he'd, he'd gotten a better feel for the character so he could make him look better. But I just never thought his old Marvel team-up Spidey uh, popped. Oh, I think his his thing about uh, about him drawing Spider-Man or drawing Marvel team-up was it was just very clean, mm-hmm. and which is one of Byrne's strengths to begin with. His yeah. artwork is always just very clean, and uh, I think it lent itself very well to Marvel team-up, especially a book like that where you have you know new characters coming in and out every month. So. I get what you're saying about his Spider-Man. It, it wasn't, you know, it, it didn't have the same energy level, at least initially, that that he did with certain other characters. But uh, but I'm still I'm still pretty happy with his Marvel team up run. Oh yeah, absolutely. I go with that. I, I never I never thought about it about it, but. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I kind of, I kind of, I see what I see the where you're coming from, Brian. Um, but I guess there's not enough. I'm thinking that when I'm thinking Byrne, I think so much of his other work that he's produced so much that he hasn't really produced a lot of Spider-Man. 
to to uh, kind of judge how. I have to go back and look at that. Now you kind of got me intrigued. I'm to go back and. I'm gonna have to read chapter one again. <laughs> well, I mean, chapter one. You know, he sit there and he shot through that that Ditko style, and he made it real heavy and thick lines to give it a '60s feel to it. Um, you know, it's a completely different art style than what he's done here. Because what he's done here is more of a, a, you know, kind of like what you, what you would see from, say, Neil Adams in the day. But as his art has evolved and he's, you know, pulled different styles and especially when he was, you know, really following Kirby, you saw Kirby, especially like when he did New Gods, um, you, it's going to be hard to compare this Spidey to the, the the year one Spidey. I was thinking more of the amazing run that he did with, was, was it Howard Mackey? Right, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that would be the better mm. one to, to compare and contrast to see the difference because that's at that part in Byrne's career where, you know, he pretty much commanded where he could work. And, you know, he sat there and spent that time working on that book. So there was definitely, you would hope there was a passion to it. Because you can definitely tell in Burns' work when he had a passion for something and when he didn't have a passion for oh, absolutely. Yeah, anyway. Well, do we have any final thoughts on uh, Spider-Man Iron Fist team-up? I think I pretty much said what I think on that. I think just my final thoughts on the uh, the Iron Man series is uh, Iron Man, Iron Fist series. Uh, I'm, I'm just okay. that I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I think you know so far Netflix hasn't let me down. I think the biggest criticism I've heard of Netflix series is that they go for the 13 episodes when they probably would do better pacing wise if they did 10. Uh, but I'm, I'm a glutton so I, I want as many <laughs> as they're going to give me. Hmm. The only the only complaint I'd have any of them was, and it's not when I first the first season of Daredevil, I thought the first three or four issues issues episodes, it was a little the violence was a little more than what I was you. expected it, but they don't it doesn't seem to be as gratuitous after that it became more comic book like, which is odd because you know I'm used to watching The Walking Dead and that's the most violent show in the world. <laughs> Yeah, I think it. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I can't agree with Paul that they, that it's nice that it's, it's a little like the Marvel movies. They're all in a shared universe, but each director kind of brings their little flair to it. So they're not, it's not cookie cutter. It's not, it's really not the way DC's going, where all their stuff is looking alike. Uh, each Marvel, each Marvel, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to equate it to a rack of donuts. They're all pastries, but they're all different kinds of pastries, and they're all different flavors and different styles. So you kind of pick what you want. So, and they're delicious. They are delicious. Yeah, this is the crawler, isn't it? <laughs> it's a cronut. <laughs> okay. Tasty. I think I think maybe we go out on cronut. <laughs> 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 no, actually, I don't want to go out yet because I want to say. Uh... 
thanks for doing a crossover with us, guys. I, oh, I enjoy getting the chance to talk to you again. It's been a little. While. It was a, It's a team up. Yeah. Yes. Huh? Huh? Wait, wait. We didn't fight. Yeah, we. Oh, we, that is the conventional wisdom. We're supposed to fight first. Fight first so I'm going to pick up Bill and throw him at you. Whoa! Sorry, Tim. I look amazingly like Ernie Chan, though. So, and, and there's really no point. Well, you know what? Anybody who's listening to this on the uh, Third Degree Burn feed, uh, you might want to check out Back to the Bins because we do this every week and we really enjoy it and hopefully people enjoy listening to us. And if you're listening to it on the Back to the Bins feed and you don't get the Third Degree Burn feed, well, shame on you. Yeah, listen to everything. We're not as all the time. We're not as prolific as uh, Back to the Bins, but we try. But when they come out with one, it's always good. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, thank you, Paul. We're not, we're not prolific. We're just like the tortoise in the hare. We're just slow and steady. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. For those that don't know, you know, it was Back to the Bins that that helped create Third Degree Burn. Because it was uh, back to the bins that I was, I started listening to after I, uh, you, you guys had done a podcast or, or it was probably before you two had really gotten into it, but it was, um, about, no, maybe Paul was involved. The Untold Legend of the Batman was the show that I had listened to that, that got me introduced into the Two True Freaks hmm. Network. And I just started listening from there. And of course, when you guys got together, you developed that that real good repartee, especially you know you with Bill and, and and Paul, and the friendship that, that you guys had developed on air was infectious. And then Tim was writing into you guys. I was writing into you guys. And when I realized Tim lived in Carrollton, which is just thirty minutes away, yes, I said, well maybe maybe Tim and I can sit here and talk, and maybe we can figure something out. And next thing you know, we're talking about putting together a John Byrne podcast. He dragged me kicking and screaming into podcasting. I really, <laughs> I really, I had no idea. It's like I can't, I can't. I'm too much of an introvert. I can't, I can't do this podcasting stuff. But it's, it's been a lot. But it's the ultimate thing for an introvert. You don't have to leave your house. You don't even have to get dressed. Why look at? Never mind. I got to talk and It's pretty much evidence of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. This is Ben's.